My name is Emily. I am part of the charitable giving team here at Friends Church. And I am here today to talk to you about money, as usual. Um, Today we just want to highlight our pre-authorized giving that we have. So we have the ability for um, people who want to donate to what we do here at Friends Church to set up um, a monthly or regular giving pattern so that you can kind of set it and forget it in a way. Um, But what we've noticed recently is there have actually been some people who have been regular pre-authorized givers who have not forgotten about it. Um, they've set it up, and they've gone back and looked at it, and they've actually um, adjusted their giving, and some of them in some very generous ways. So to those people, we want to say thank you. Um, and I just wanted to highlight that it is such an important thing for us to have that consistency, to be able to plan, to be good stewards of the finances that you trust us with. Um, the, the pre-authorized giving really helps us to um, build in that uh, regular ability to plan because we know what's coming. So if you're not part of our pre-authorized giving plan yet, and that's something that could fit into your finances, I want you to encourage you to uh, check that out. You can look on our app, or you can look on our website to see um, how to set that up. And if you are doing a pre-authorized giving already, I ask you to just take a look and and, uh, refresh your memory and make sure that you know what's coming out, and make sure that it still fits with your current finances. Whether it needs to go up, whether it needs to go down, that's something that only you can know. But we ask you to just take a look at that um, and be active uh, in participating in that. So thank you for uh, trusting us with your finances. Thank you for helping the work of Friends Church continue. Um, And if you are here in the building today and you want to give in a way that is not pre-authorized giving, we do have the black box at the back. Um, For everyone, we've also got our website and our app that you can check in on. So thank you very much. We're going to invite Jeff to the stage. (laughs) I was about five years old, and uh, my parents had gone through a divorce. Um, my, my grandparents lived out, um, out of town north of Edmonton, a little town called Westlock. My, my grandfather had a farm, and uh, so we got to see him every once in a while. He bought me a horse. He was a saddle bronc rider, actually, and entertained troops in the war. So, uh, cowboy... Horses were a big part of his life. He said, my grandson's going to learn how to ride a horse. He bought me this horse. I was up there when I was five years old to ride on a horse for the first time in my life. He was so excited. So anyways, he's um, so excited. He takes me out to the farm, sets me up on this horse, and he's kind of leading me around. And it only took about maybe five or six minutes before all of a sudden my eyes started watering. And I uh, started wheezing a little bit. My nose started running. You know what's going on. I, I have this allergic reaction to horses. And uh, I didn't know what was going on. But like all of a sudden, I'm like... <laughs> and my grandfather's looking at me. And my, I, I, as my, my grandfather told me this story for years, but um, he's worried about me. And uh, he's like, are you okay? I said, I'm just having a tough time. So I'm, I'm growing in more distress. Finally, my grandfather is, is concerned about me. He pulls me off the horse. He ties off the horse, and he walks me back to the barn. And then he does something that will make some of you, I'm sure, 
weird you out maybe a little bit. He takes his hands and he puts them on my head. And he begins to pray. I don't know what he prayed. But he prayed that God would take my allergy away. Roughly. Something along that line. I'm five years old. I knew. I was raised in church. This drill didn't really scare me. Because I'd seen it in church. So I just kind of closed my eyes. Hoping some magic was going to happen. He prayed for me. And I don't know how long it took. We went about stuff on the farm for a little while. But at some point in that day, he looked down at me and he said, how you doing? I said, I'm doing all right. He said, you feel good enough to ride a horse? I said, I think I do. He walked me back to that horse. He put me on that horse. He led me around and around and around. The nose wasn't running. The eyes were no longer swollen shut. (laughs) Congestion was gone. I have never had an allergy around horses since. (laughs) What do you do with that? Now, I remember at the time, I was a part of a charismatic kind of a Pentecostal church tradition where often there's a lot of emphasis placed on this belief that God, this entity out there could penetrate the physical realm and do miraculous things intervening on people's behalf. I had always heard of this kind of thing. And though I was really young, I just remember kind of thinking, yeah, okay, this is awesome. This is cool. It's only now that I'm looking back on that and going, what? Did that actually happen? As I look back on that event, even today, I'm scratching my head. And I'm just thinking, was that just the power of positive thinking? Was was all my reaction that was going on in that day that, was that just made up? No, it wasn't made up, remember. That part. Was it God that healed me? does that happen? Have you ever witnessed something that just defied logic and rational thinking? Something that was just spooky, weird, and you just went, what's going on here? You ever had one of those moments? Over the years, I've had a lot of conversations with people in this area. I remember one woman telling me 
about one of the worst nights of her life. She was in the hospital. She had a, f- um, a fibroid tumor removed from her body. And in the process of doing that, she had an allergic reaction to the morphine, the painkiller that they were giving her. So they had to stop the morphine. She's in unbelievable pain, writhing in pain. At one point in the middle of the night, she kind of kind of floats into consciousness and looks over, and she has this nurse that's just, she remembers rubbing her arm, holding her hand, and she's crying, and this nurse is just looking her in her eyes, just going, you're going to be okay, keep breathing, keep breathing. She's rubbing her arms, and she went down, rubbed her feet, she's doing everything she could, rubbed her neck, she's just encouraging her, helping her. She's just the most amazing nurse. And then she drifted off at some point. She woke up in the morning, and there's a different nurse in her room. She's just going, can you, it's, 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 is that other nurse that was here last night, is she still here? She said, uh, which one? So she began describing her. I'm not sure which nurse. Just a second. She starts asking another nurse. There was a nurse here last night. She said she had long gray hair. We don't have a nurse that has long gray hair. She said no. She, and she began describing her. And these two women are going, mm, no. This woman's looking at me saying, I am convinced it was my guardian angel that helped me through one of the most terrifying nights of my life. Okay. Wow. Another guy told me that he had often sensed his dad in the room. His dad had died of cancer a number of years ago. He says, I cannot describe how I can be in a room. He says, I'll be at work working away. And it's like I begin having a conversation with my dad. He said, there'll be times when I'm trying to make a difficult decision, and it's just like all of a sudden, dad is there. And he says, I begin talking through my rationale. I can see him nodding. There have been times he said, I've heard him say, Chris, I want to... Remember listening to a story like that, going... Wow. Are you taking any drugs at all, Chris? And this guy is both feet on the floor kind of guy. And what about those really weird coincidences that can happen? Hey? Person has a weird growth on her arm that's been annoying her she's just been kind of annoying it just it just it's been bothering her but she's been ignoring it she happens to be standing in a schoolyard talking with a couple other mums 
a, a, a few of them. Two of them she's never met before. And somehow they start talking about skin stuff, whatever. She says, you know, I got this weird thing on my arm. And she goes, I just, I, I'm sure it's nothing or whatever. One of the women, her husband is a dermatologist. She says, can I just take a look at that? She says, I'm going to have my husband talk to you. That night, the husband calls her. And literally within days, she is in getting something treated immediately because it's very serious. She looks back at that moment in that schoolyard and goes, is that not... Is there something going on here? It was like God meant for me to be there and for that woman to be there. And that chance, it was a divine meeting. Wow. Huh. Have you, have you ever had moments where just the way things lined up, it just had you kind of going, wait a second. How does this happen? Have you had something that, like that happen in your life? Have you had people or even yourself experience some kind of visitation by like a ghost or premonition? Have you watched, witnessed, heard people talk about supernatural intervention of some kind? What do you do with these things? This might surprise some of you, but when I left my former church tradition, um, it's over 22 years ago, I was, uh, and that was to start Friends Church. Something inside me no longer wanted to believe in any of this stuff. despite even my own personal experiences and the things that I had witnessed, the stories that I'd heard, I also had many disappointments with this stuff too. I can tell you about my allergy hearing, but healing, but I could also tell you about the number of times I had been called into hospital rooms to pray for people who never walked out of the hospital room. The many times people remained sick Many times it seemed like I had zero effect. I could tell you about the many times I watched people claiming some weird supernatural occurrence that just seemed fishy or fabricated. I found my mind continually trying to explain away what they were describing. And oftentimes I felt like I could. Perhaps that's what you were doing as I was telling those stories. You were sitting there going, now, I understand. For many years now, I've just wanted to bury many of those memories, those occurrences, and I've had a few. Every now and then, my wife will bring up a story of something that we watched some stuff that I had seen that I told her about. She'll bring it up with my kids and my boys are like, Dad, tell us that story. I'm like, Kathy, we don't bring up those stories anymore. 
There's a, those X-Files, I want it to stay dead. I have no answers for it. But there's a part of me I wanted to leave it all behind. In my mind, many of those stories just raised too many questions. They created too much complexity. I mean, if God can heal my horse allergy, then why the hell can't he heal? Some loved ones that are struggling with some disease. I mean, if he can take, give me a, an opportunity to privilege ride on a horse, why can't he rescue some refugees from Rwanda? Help some people over in the Ukraine right now. Like it gets complex, right? And there are just parts of that where I'm going, no, 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 no. We're putting this behind. I didn't know it at the time when I started burying some of this stuff, but I was entering a new stage of the spiritual journey. We call it stage three. You can call it whatever you want, but it's just this deconstruction, skeptical phase where you just begin to look at all these beliefs that you've held onto or that you were given, that you grew up with perhaps, someone taught, taught you at some point, that you just accepted as true. But all of a sudden, they start running into real life and, and con- conflicts arise. And then you start going, wait a second. I'm not sure if I... Uh, I don't know if I can believe this anymore. I was entering into this phase where I just was going, no, no, I'm going to let go of that. I'm going to let go of that. You, you know, in this stage, you just want to get down to the facts. Just, let's just talk about what can be proven, can we? No more talking about stuff you can't prove. Both feet on the ground. Let's take a science approach to religion. <laughs> yeah, right. And spirituality. I said, I just want to talk about that. And if you can't prove it, let's just leave it behind. Have you ever felt drawn to do that? You ever get tired of some spooky stories? You just go, oh man, that guy's so full. Nope, 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 nope. Yeah. Categorically dismissing anything that can't be proven as just superstitious. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. Here's the thing though. We may have our skepticism about other people's claims of supernatural events things, spooky things that you hear people talk about. But statistics seem to tell another story. Many polls that have been done suggest that most of us believe there's more going on than what we can pick up with our five senses. There's weird stuff, yes, but there is stuff that we believe and hold on to that we're going But this, I don't know what to do with this, but I can't let go of this. They've polled people. In the Western world, just looking at one poll, 42% of people believe in ghosts. Of those polled, and it was a big study done by the Harris Poll, 42% in the Western world believe in ghosts. Four out of 10. 64% 
believe in the survival of the soul after death. There's something more that's going to happen after this life or after I physically die. 68% of those polled believed in heaven. 74% believed in God. We can be spooked out by a lot of different things and dismiss a lot of different things, but many of us have certain beliefs of the more than that we still call our own. And this has been perplexing to many scientists who want nothing to do with these beliefs. They're going, why? Why are people holding on to these beliefs? Evolutionary biologists, or sorry, psychologists, evolutionary psychologists have been trying to figure out why people are holding on to this stuff. Like our beliefs in supernatural entities and experiences, are they the result of some kind of adaptive design? Like, is this an evolutionary kind of survival tactic that we've developed over the years? Somehow believing in something beyond what we can prove. It's helping us survive, maybe? There's a lot of theories on this. One conclusion that some have landed on is that belief in supernatural stuff is an exaptation. That's what they call it. It's turned out to be actually helpful for our survival. They, they think it has. In fact, so much so that now it's being hardwired into our, into our existence, into humanity. More and more, just, it, it's just built right in. Somehow these beliefs have become helpful for surviving in this world. Now, I I have to admit, though I'm skeptical about a lot of supernatural claims, and I know that no one in this room, no scientist, no supernatural guru, no one can prove or disapprove whether this stuff really is going on or not. But I can't deny the positive impact that many of these supernatural beliefs are having on people. I can't deny that. And that's actually what I wanted to talk about this morning. I'm not here to prove that these things are actually real. I can't. I can't prove that any of this is real. But the effect of some of this stuff on us, that is less deniable. For example, let me just, let's talk about some of these benefits, the impact, the positive impact. Here's a common one. It's the role that belief in the supernatural can have on our conscience. This is interesting. Let me ask you something. Have you ever done something that you know is probably offside, wrong? Deep down inside, you, whatever it was, you're just going, Ugh. maybe you cut some corner, You stretched the truth a bit in telling a story. Maybe you took credit for something that you didn't do. And then something starts to go sideways. You know what I mean? You lose the deal that you thought was in the bag. 
You're ready to sign that contract, and all of a sudden they back out, and you're going, wait, what? Drive to work and get you a speeding ticket. Something breaks at home. Just something bad happens, and you're going, wait a second. Is this connected to that thing I did back there? Have you ever had one of those moments where you're going, oh, no, karma? Have you ever had that feeling? In, Christ, in Christianity, we may not talk about karma, but we talk about reaping what we sow. Same deal. We'll watch. Hey, the guy goes blowing by us on the highway. We're going, yeah, where's the car? Ah, and then the cop pulls him over. He's going, yeah, thank you, God. <laughs> huh? Getting what he deserves. That's how it works. The universe has its way of writing the score. <laughs> this is interesting. Evolutionary psychologists think that beliefs in the supernatural deities have actually helped guide people's morals and ethical decisions. Some have called it the Santa Claus effect, believing that some kind of entity out there is kind of watching and keeping score and is going to mete out justice, maybe not around Christmas, but at his her point of time. And you're going to get what you had coming. Evolutionary psychologists are going, maybe that's what's going on here. And it's actually helping people make good choices. It's actually helping them think twice about what they're doing when they think about screwing over their neighbor. Going, I don't want that to happen. I I don't want to bring on bad juju in my life. I, 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 I... I know what goes around comes around. I'm not doing that. What is that? That's a supernatural belief. I'll tell you that right now. Some people don't look at it as supernatural. They're just going, that's just life. Okay, think about it however you want. Try proving that. Psychologists think, actually, this has probably played a big role in helping society stay on the rails. In fact, they think at some point, maybe the, the human mind has kind of done a flip. And it's actually started working in reverse where, where people start doing good, believing that good will come back to them. God's blessing will come back into their lives. I do something good, it'll come back around. This belief in supernatural entities meeting out good and bad actually could be leading to a better world. I don't know how much of that has taken hold in your life, but I can tell you, I have preached that stuff. And I have experienced it personally. Could I ever prove it? No. But I feel like I've watched it and I've felt it. Say what you want. Another way that people's supernatural beliefs have been helpful, perhaps is the comfort they have provided. A number of years ago, a close friend of mine called me to tell me that his mom, who was a close, close friend of ours, in fact, she was a a very instrumental part of Friends Church at one point. She was diagnosed with late-stage pancreatic cancer. And it, it hit us. He was bawling on the phone, It just hit us like just a ton of bricks. I'm sitting there on the phone. You know how you can get some bad news? 
And it's just like you start to hyperventilate. You're going, I want to do something. I want to say something. I want to help. I want to whatever. But I was right in the throes of this deconstruction, right in the throes of pitching away this magic potion spell of prayer that says, oh, I'm just going to pray for a miracle and something will happen. I was in the process of throwing that whole belief out. And there I am on the phone and my friend is crying and I am just, I'm so bent up and conflicted and I wanted help. And I'm sitting there going, he says, Jeff, we need a miracle. Could you get the church praying? Could you get everyone praying that you could possibly get praying? And in my mind, I'm going, I don't think it works. I'm not saying it, but I'm, I'm going, you, th- you think that if we can just get a hundred people praying versus two, that we're going to twist God's arm and now he'll deliver the miracle for your mom? And yet I'm going, I want that to work. Please, please. Like, and I was so torn up. I'm going, I want to, I want to, I want to, in that moment, the best thing I, I could offer up was, I'm so sorry, buddy. I'm so sorry. I'm looking at him just going, I mean, if I'm really on it, honest, there was almost an arrogance where I was looking at him and saying, I know how this is going to play out, and it's not good. So, I'm just going to brace you for it. I look back at it now and I just think, Jarvis, how arrogant can you be to actually know how it all is going to play out? He's just asking for me to just simply say a prayer for him. I was like, we both know that don't work. Look back at that now, wondering, was my friend's hope and faith that perhaps something could happen that could heal his mom or even just prolong his life, her life, was that a bad thing? Was that a wrong thing? Was the belief that he held, was it harmful? Could me just offering up a prayer in that moment have hurt? I think what I failed to realize in that moment was the comfort and the reassurance that I could bring to my friend and his family. Just a simple, open-hearted belief and trust, looking him in the eyes and saying, I don't know how this plays out, but let's believe for a miracle. I don't think I really understood how I could, but I know it was helping him with the people he had been talking to. You know, maybe the miracle wasn't even a physical thing. Maybe, maybe the miracle we could have prayed for could have been just a peace, a 
tranquility, a strength, a hope for another day, another moment. Who am I to think that I'm smart enough to make up the rules of what should or shouldn't be allowed in this world? What's fair or not fair? What's capable of happening and what isn't? If somehow someone feels some kind of comfort or reassurance because someone said a prayer for them. You know, I'm thinking about a family who lost a child at a very young age. And now she speaks of heaven as going to be her moment to be reconnected, reunited with her daughter. And I watch the comfort that that brings to her. That belief is ministered to her more than anything. Got her through the dark nights of her soul. Can anyone prove that these beliefs happen, that they work? No. But do they help? Can they help? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I know there's some people who really strongly believe in the supernatural, and you want me to come out and say, no, 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 no. Let's not just talk about uh, the effect that this belief can have. Let's talk about what it actually is going on. uh, Can't go there. Because I just can't, we can't prove it, right? We can talk about this stuff. Let's talk about another one. And this is one that I can't shake. And it's around the guidance piece. You know, when my friend, I mentioned earlier, my buddy who senses and feels his father's presence around him at different times in his life, when he started talking about that, something inside me just went, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. I know exactly what you're talking about. You see, from the time I was young, I was taught that it's possible to experience God's presence right here, that he would never leave you. And it was always in a he, masculine form. That was just the tradition I grew up with. Through all the stuff that my family has gone through and divorce and stuff, tough chapters in my life, this belief that God would be here when loved ones, parents couldn't be there. Man, as a kid, this strength I felt believing that God's spirit, spirit was right here. That he was cheering me on. Oh, that just felt so beautiful. There's a passage where Jesus looked at his disciples and he says, look at my time is short. I'm going to be leaving. And they're panicking going, look at man, this is not a good time for you to leave. We got bad stuff going on. We need you. You're our leader. And he's going, look at, I'm going to go, but I'm going to pray. I'm asking my father 
to deliver someone who will be with you and be in you. This is what I was taught as a young kid. Called it the spirit of truth. Counselor. There were different words used to describe the spirit. I latched onto that as a kid. And when my friend talks about his dad in the room, that is what I feel with this presence, this spirit, again and again in my life. To this day. In fact, there are times you'll hear me at the end of a message, I'll begin to pray. I'm not believing that the more than this entity, this supernatural power out there is going to kind of come in and do circus tricks for us. I'm not saying, hey, come in here. We talk about some stuff. Do this for us. Make us these. And it's not like that for me. But the spirit is like my coach. It's like the big brother that's just there listening, encouraging. When I'm down, he's going, come on, pal. I can feel it. There are times when I'm thinking about doing something I shouldn't. And in a moment, I can feel him going, come on, no. You're better, buddy. There are times when I feel a nudge. Jeff, you asked to be reminded. Here is your reminder. There is your water opportunity right there. That person needs you now. Go. It's like, okay. And I can feel I, I don't know how to explain this, but I can just feel it. And my heart begins to pound. And I can feel a little bit flush. And I'm just like, oh, shit, here we go. I, I'm having a thin place moment, like Kyla talked about earlier. I'm having a moment where I'm sensing something is going on right, right now. I rarely talk about this stuff, but I'm telling you, I can't deny those moments and it's after I've acted after it's done I'm looking back going wow wow you ever had something like that you ever had those thin place moments where you're going oh something's going on right now and you feel a nudge a prompt what's going on there I... guidance I've done away with some of the healing stuff. I've pitched out all this stuff, and now I'm recognizing, well, just wait, I didn't actually pitch away this belief. No, that's very much intact. And now I'm even looking at the potential for miracles, and I don't know. I don't know what to do with it, but I know this. Something inside me is saying, Jeff, don't you think you know everything? Don't be so arrogant. The spiritual journey is an invitation. After stage three, they say the stage four starts moving in, and this is where we become comfortable more and more with just mystery, paradox, the unexplainable, just the possibilities. And it's not like you start preaching any of it. It's not like you start, no, but you just, you, you, you begin to realize you don't have a freaking clue. And there's a humility that starts to boil up. Where before, when someone started telling me the story, I was almost cutting them off partway in, going, ah, 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 
not around me, you don't talk about that stuff. Now I'm going, really? Tell me about that. I guess that's where I'm going this morning. It's an invitation to take your finger back. Perhaps you're here this morning and you got that skeptical thing going on. And you're going, no way. I'm just going to invite you to open yourself up. Open your mind up. Don't turn into a quack. You don't have to. You don't have to throw out science out the window. But allow a new humility to rise where you can just admit there are things that will never be proven. We are one speck in the gamut of history. We are one, this earth is one speck in the midst of an exploding universe. There is so much we have no clue about at this point. It is just nothing short of unbridled arrogance to think that we can look at the mysteries going on and, and be quick to say, oh, no, <laughs> no. Perhaps there's something beautiful. There are benefits to some of these beliefs and experiences that people have had. And maybe we just need to be open. I think there's some people here in the room, some people that are listening to me, and you have some beliefs that you've kind of been keeping secret. <laughs> Remember someone telling me the other day that they believe in ghosts. I went, what? What? You do? And they're like, shh. And they told me a story. I guess all I'm saying is, it's okay. It's okay. Don't know what's behind it. I don't know if there's anything or not. But chances are you're holding on to some beliefs in something more than... In fact, that's probably why you're here today or listening to this podcast because something inside you has a hunch that there is more than what you can feel and see and taste and whatever all the five senses are. You sense that there's something more. And I just want to encourage you into that because chances are it's doing something for you. And perhaps you're going to run across someone else who's in that place. I'm just going to encourage you. Even at times when you're going, whoa, this is really weird. Open up your mind and your heart. For me, when that person says, would you pray for me? I'm going to say, absolutely. I would, be, I would love to pray for you. May we be open to the mysteries. May we be open to the mysteries. May this week you just keep your eyes wide open, your heart wide open. Allow the humility that's needed to be able to embrace some of this stuff. Let it flow, huh? All right, that's all I got. And on that note, can I pray? You know my struggle. But I just want to remain open.
everything that's going on around me. May I not close down, but may my pride not get in the way and may my mind not shut down opportunities to experience the more than. May I see perhaps what you're up to around me and may you help me participate in it. Amen. All right. Wow. That was emotional. This has been a long time coming. Vince says, you got to talk about this thing because that's been part of your head. I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> but I'm glad I did. Anyways, hope I didn't wreck your Sunday. That was kind of weird stuff, eh? <laughs> Have a great week, everyone, and get out there and enjoy part two of this uh, series next week where we're exploring the more than. It'll be good. Talk to you then. Bye.